Hey there, future friends! This week, we become clockwork cartographers and elusive editors. This is the week of March 12th, 2021, and this is episode 195 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Welcome to the show. That's right. Wow, it's, it's almost like a pattern now. I've, I've had a couple episodes in a row successfully. Good for me. I'm going to pat myself on the back, call it a win, take next week off. All right. I'm kidding. But you know what? I am stoked for this week because it's a mix of excitement because of movies, because of the two movies we watched for this week that I'm really excited for or that I, I liked a lot. And also there weren't a lot of movies coming out on streaming so that the, the notes for this week were a lot easier. So if you don't remember, the movies we're watching, or I watched, I always say we, but it's the royal we, we know this. We know this. The movies I watched for this week were The Map of Tiny Perfect Things on Hulu, was it? Thanks, sweetie, on Amazon, and Moxie on Netflix. So how have you all been? I haven't checked in in a while. Good to see you. You're looking good. Did you get a haircut? It looks good on you. Okay, enough of the small talk. Let's move on with the show. We do have five episodes left. Well, four episodes left, technically, until we hit the episode 200 mark. We're going to hit that. We're going to hit that soon. We're going to hit that in April, assuming I don't miss any other episodes. And I still don't know what to do. I was just talking to Anne about doing a Q&A, throwing some questions out there for y'all. If you have any questions, maybe about the show itself or how I view certain movies or I don't know something but my fear is always that I won't have anyone <laughs> respond because <laughs> if you remember for the 100th episode was it I did that giveaway and three people entered four uh frat Matt Brian Q uh my friend did AJ enter I don't know I think there was only just four people <laughs> entered and two of them were were my personal friends and two of them I know because uh, I met through mutual love of the Watch Your Mouth podcast and they listen to this show and what kind of blew my mind is that I know I have more than four listeners I, I can prove this but I guess people were just like free stuff nah nah I don't want it because if you know me at all you know that I love getting free stuff and if you follow me on Twitter I'm sorry because I do retweet a lot of those Funko things where I do want these limited edition Funkos. I want those. Okay, I'll put it next to a movie and take a picture of it for my Instagram. That's what I'll do. Is there some rich philanthropist giving away money and all he wants is a retweet? Yeah, I'll do it. F yeah. But I do think I will do a Q&A where I will, if I don't get any questions naturally, because I will put out feelers out on the various social medias, but if I don't get any naturally, I will fish for <laughs> questions uh, from Watch Your Mouth, Robbie and Lisa, uh, the somewhat nerdy crew, Brian Q, Frat Matt. All the usual people. But I do remember when uh, the Watch Your Mouth podcast was still giving away their big bag of shit. You know, they uh, they um, would contact people to go, hey, you won this shit. Tell us how to give you this shit. 
and they would have to pull teeth to get people to respond. It's like you won something and they're not asking for, oh, just send us $100 and we'll send you this thing. No, it was free shit and people were just like, nah, nah, I don't want it. But of course, that is diving into one of my fears. That is that I am a crazy person. I'm not actually married to a wonderful woman and I'm just sitting in a room babbling to myself. And they just they just give me a mic and they say, give him a mic, shoot him full of drugs. He'll be fine. He'll he'll pretend to do a show. Uh, <laughs> He's batch crazy. Yeah. <laughs> OK, well, let's get on with the show as we normally do. If you're new, you might not know what that is. And um it's an interesting question because the show has two different forms, uh, a COVID form and a non-COVID form. So I'm going to tell you what it is we do during COVID since it's still a thing. During COVID, what we do is uh, we start out with a little intro, which you've already heard. It's never scripted, rarely interesting. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but after that, I talk about the news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. And then we talk about the trailers any new movie trailers have caught my eye since the last episode. In both cases, I ask you, hey, you, you person, were there any news stories or trailers that you knew about that I didn't talk about that you would like to hear my opinion on? If so, please let me know. I'm usually pretty good at picking up the big ones. And I just finished two towns. I'm sorry, this is a <laughs> this is a um. It's <laughs> a huge tangent, but I just finished uh, Two Towns Cider House Cosmic Crisp Imperial Cider, 8.0 alcohol by volume. And it was okay. I mean, it, it honest to God, just tastes like apple juice. And I think that is very, very dangerous to have an 8.0 apple juice. Uh, I got it through that service I use, Tavor, where you can buy beers from around the world, around the world, around the country. It's not a bad service because the beers are, they're, they're expensive, but if you think about it, going out to a bar, it's about the same amount you'd spend. You just have to pay shipping to get something from a state you're nowhere near. Non-sponsored, by the way. But I'm going to pause this really quick and go grab something new. All right, I'm back. I am back with Modest Brewing Company's Rhinestone Eyes Double Dry Hopped Double IPA. That's double the trouble from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it is tasty. Well... My future friends, like I said, news, trailers, and then I go over all the movies that are coming to streaming during the week, and I'm skipping the movies that come to just theaters because I don't want to encourage people to go out during a pandemic, and then we talk about two movies that are available on streaming. This week, it is The Map of Tiny Perfect Things and Moxie, but I try to make sure they're always on one of the main streaming services. Once in a while, I'll do something I got on Blu-ray that I really wanted to talk about or something on something more obscure. Okay, obscure is not the right word, but not everyone has HBO Max. Not everyone has other things. I don't know. But anyway, let us start with the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. And my future friends, let's start with a somber, sad note. A young man, Michael Wolf Snyder, has died at the age of 35. He was a sound mixer for the movie Nomadland that's uh, making the rounds in the awards circuits. And apparently he has taken his own life. He suffered from major depression. And I only bring this up because there's help and you're not alone. You're, you're never alone. Even if you think you are, there are... There are services or people out there who want to help and reaching out could be the hardest thing, but it could also be 
what saves your life. But let's talk about something a little more uplifting. Raya and the Last Dragon disappoints at the box office. Uh, this is from IndieWire. And I just wonder if it's because people think like I do. If you remember in the last episode, I say I will not pay for this because I'm already paying for Disney Plus and I could wait. There are very few movies that I would actually pay money to watch early on streaming, especially if I knew it would it would eventually come to the streaming service. Because we know Raya and the Last Dragon is going to come to Disney+. Plus. We know this. We know this. Just like with Mulan, the live-action movie, we knew it was going to come to the streaming service for free without the added cost. So why would we pay for this? Unless it's part of our job, and I don't get paid for this. If I got paid for it, maybe I would, you know? Maybe I, maybe I would be that person. But since I don't, and I'm just a fan who has a podcast... No way was I going to pay extra for a service I already have. And it's not quite the same as Amazon offering rentals through their service because it's not like it's an Amazon original and they're going, oh, hey, pay us extra money to watch this now. Even though I wouldn't put it past them to do that, I still won't pay that extra money. So that could be a big reason as to why Raya and the Last Dragon has disappointed when it comes to the box office numbers. So I would I would be very, very interested in seeing what the numbers are like once it hits streaming for free or the costs we're already paying for Disney Plus. Because I think it will jump. I think it would be a significant amount in that first week of Raya and the Last Dragon being available at no extra cost. And then it would add the question to Disney, is it worth it? Is that is the money you made worth it? The bad press for a very bad weekend? Is it worth it just to hold back a little bit? Disney Plus is about $7.99 a month. So I think if they released it straight to straight to their streaming service with no extra cost, they may actually make more money because then maybe someone who has been holding out will get that service even just for a month. But I think it would be better for them. Now for that, my future friends, let's go on to the next story from Cinema Blend. And from them, they got me. They got me. These sneaky motherfuckers got me with a clickbaity title. And I'm glad they did. The uh, The title of the story is Twilight fans are freaking out over seeing the movie without its blue filter. So I thought, ooh, who cares? And then I scrolled down to look at the pictures and it looks worse. Who knew it would look so bad without that blue filter? Twitter user Shell Doggo. I think that's how you say it says and just like that it's late 90s slash early 2000s teen sitcom and god damn it she's right he she they are right high school a twilight without the blue tint is just high school musical <laughs> oh i have not seen that but that's funny but the only reason i'm really talking about this is because a i thought i was going to shit on the movie and that's always funny but now the reason I'm still talking about it is because it's so amazing how one change like that can make a scene. So I guess it's some, okay, if I can, I've, I've, I've actually seen the first Twilight movie, so I know this is the scene, the first one, where they have their baseball game, which was, which was the most interesting part in the first movie. And they're having their little baseball game, and then those bad vampires come out of nowhere, and they have their little standoff. And... It, it changes the whole feeling. So I think that's so interesting with how these little things, like a blue filter, a 
freaking blue filter, something you can get on Instagram, changed this the whole feeling of this movie, or at least this still. It is amazing. This next story from Showbiz441. Okay. Oh, f- 411. It's 411. It's information. It's fucking information. I'm old enough to remember when you called 411 for uh, for information. I should have known this. I should have seen this and known right away. Like, do, do you guys remember calling popcorn to get the time? When I was bored as a kid, sometimes I would just do it. Just like, oh, is that the time? And fix the clocks in the house because I was a fucking loser. <laughs> Oh my God, I'm a loser. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Showbiz411 says that Chaos Walking, which made, made, which costs $125 million to make, only made $4 million in the week of its release. Huh. You don't say. Could it possibly be? Could it have anything to do with? Could even a little bit of this have to do with there's a pandemic going on and some of the biggest biggest theater companies are not open to show your movie is that possibly why and that maybe maybe if you wanted to make money you should have made a deal with some streaming service but here's where i'm torn here's really really where i'm torn because I do agree with people saying that we need we need film companies to start taking hits. We need film companies to start putting their profit second for the greater good of the theater world of movie theaters, putting them first, releasing your movies, even though you're not going to make a fraction of what your movie cost back, just so we can start trying to get people into theaters where that is a thing. So I know I just mocked the movie for not making a lot of money and acting like, oh, why are you surprised you're not? But also at the same time, I'm glad they did. I'm glad they released just in theaters. Because even though I personally, on this show, I'm not going to talk about the movies released in theaters because I don't want to promote it during a pandemic. At the same time, we need to understand that we can't have all theaters have nothing to show until everything goes back to normal because we're not all going to go back to normal at the same pace look there's no good way out of this we we have never experienced something like this before while the world has experienced pandemics we have not like the oldest people around may have lived during something like the spanish flu you and me we may remember sars and the pig flu swine flu pig flu <laughs> the pig cold but that never really amounted to much. This is a big f-ing deal. So how we got out of it and how the movie industry reacts to it is nothing. We have any idea how to handle this. And I, I know I don't get political on this show and I, I try not to, but I'm sorry if this comes across as political, but I think it's absolute bullshit that when the banks and all these people Like, of all the people that they talk about in The Big Short, all the people who f***ed up the economy, that they f*** it up because they're greedy, stupid assholes, and they get bailed out, and we have all these small businesses and real people affected by this, by this, by, by, by COVID, and it's just like, okay, you're gonna close, well, sucks to suck. Where's the bailout for people who deserve it? Okay, enough of that. Let's talk about the news. 
The last story, there really wasn't much in the news that I saw. So once again, if I missed something, let me know. But this story comes to us from CBR.com, our good friends at CBR, who I actually quote a lot. So maybe I should actually visit their site and not just through Flipboard. Uh, But this isn't about a movie. It's about a TV show coming to Netflix called Jupiter's Legacy. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because if you like comics and you've never read Jupiter's Legacy, I think you should. I thought it was a very well done series and it's a very unique superhero story. So you should read it now so when the show comes out, you can go, oh, that's not what they did in the comic. <laughs> Put your nose up in the air or something like that. But you know what? It's just fun. I, um, I've um i been trying to allow myself to read more manga and comics because I do enjoy them, but I also feel bad counting them towards my reading goal. Like, oh, I read 150 books this year. Oh, yeah, but how many of them had pictures? But I re- realize I shouldn't be a snob like that because I hate it when people are snobs like that to me. So I, on my already read pile right now i have nimona which if, if you haven't read nimona it was really fun and on my tbr pile i have black sands which i i just went out and bought i haven't even read it yet but i just wanted to support it because it's a black owned company and most if not all of the people involved are people of color so i just went out and bought it and a lot of people that i trust like this series so i really wanted to to get it, absolute worst case scenario, I don't like it, and I supported a black-owned business. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, I supported a black-owned business, and I f***ing love it. And I think that's what I'm going to do, because too many people I trust liked it. So so take a look at Black Sands. It could be worth it for you. But let's wrap up the news, because there really wasn't much that I saw. And I'm just glad I could go on big rants for the stories I did talk about. So let us take our first break, my future friends, as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, and then we will be right back with the trailers. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, my future friends, we are back with the show, and it's time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Uh, The first movie we have to talk about in the Trove, we got a trailer for a movie that was made back in 2019 in China, but hasn't been released here yet. Uh, I actually don't know what the American release date is. Let's see if we can find this by clicking a couple things. Nope, no clue. All right. But this movie is called The Rookies, and this stars Mila Jovovich as Bruce, a badass secret agent, and she... Brings in extreme sport lover Zhao Feng because he gets involved in an international illegal trade incident by accident. Uh, just a ridiculous action movie. This one from China. Uh, and I'm not sure what to think. Um, for multiple reasons. First of all, China's still iffy. I'm sorry if you're from if you're Chinese or from China. I, I am. But there are just so many weird things going on there with the human rights violations with the Uyghurs and what happened with Hong Kong that even though this looks like a stupid action flick that normally I would love, 
I don't know if I could watch it. I don't know. Even if it came out on streaming, I'm not sure. Even though this would be right up my alley because it's ridiculous action with Asians in it. And you guys know me. Any flavor of Asian in a movie gets my support. But I'm just, uh, I'm just not sure. My friends, my dear, dear friends, it is time to talk about a crime comedy drama from the United Kingdom called Say Your Prayers. That is the next movie up in the trove. It is about two orphaned brothers turned radical Christian hitmen who venture into rural Ilkley, I guess, under the instruction of Father Enoch. Their mission, assassinate Professor John Huxley, famed atheist writer. And without doing much research, the only people I know in this that I know y'all would know, or I assume y'all would know, would be Henry Melling, who you would know as, uh, oh, the... Harry Potter's cousin, Dursley, um, I can do this, I can do this in real time, his name is Dudley, Dudley Dursley, Henry Melling, I think, is someone that people have been sleeping on lately, that they need to not sleep on, because he was great, he was great in The Devil All the Time, Uh, he was in The Old Guard as the very convincing bad guy, and I, and apparently he's in The Queen's Gambit, which I still want to watch, but I think he's just one good role away from maybe not an Oscar, but at least some award. So I just had the recording pause. I let out this epic burp. And <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I just remember that when I was uh, the when when I was in Louisiana recording with the Watch Your Mouth podcast, they told me, hey, if you have a burp, if you have a really big burp, just let it go into the into the mic. And I had no good burps. And right now I'm just letting out these, these amazing ones. I know (laughs) that I know would have made it into the highlight reel, but, um, oh God, come on guys. Let let me back on. Let me back on the show. Invite me over. I act that I act like that's the only thing stopping me from being back on the watch your mouth podcast. I know if I just visited, they would let me on because they're, they're great guys. I know it's a pandemic. That's not. That's why I'm not going over. Keep watching your depressing interview. I'm just gonna be why. Yeah. yeah. You act like you're not already. <laughs> but um, yeah, that happened. Anyway, the only other person in this movie that you would recognize besides Henry Melling is, if you're a Whovian, you would know him as the Master because he played. The Master, uh, Derek Jacoby. He was also in Gladiator, Gosford Park, uh, Anonymous. But this movie looks good. This looks like one of those kind of dark British comedies that just slip under the radar. And then maybe in like 10 years, it'll start making the rounds of people going, hey, did you ever watch this film? And it stars that guy from Harry Potter and that one guy from Doctor Who. And it's actually quite funny. I think this is that film. All right, my future friends, we have another movie to talk about. Go figure, right? Who knew? If you knew I was going to talk about a movie next, raise your hand. See, no one knew. Next up is a film called Thunder Force. This is a Netflix original movie coming out April 9th with an impressive cast of Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer, Bobby Cannavale, Pom Clementov, Melissa Leo, Jason Bateman, and, um, oh, that's it. Not as impressive as, as I thought, but, you know, not bad. This movie is about 
In a world where supervillains are commonplace, two estranged childhood best friends reunite after one devises a treatment that gives them powers to protect their city. So Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer, former best friends, Octavia Spencer becomes this big fancy scientist who develops this this serum that gives people powers. Melissa McCarthy, being Melissa McCarthy, accidentally gets these powers. And so they form this team to start saving the day. Jason Bateman is a is known as the crab. He's a supervillain. And the main bad guy, Bobby Cannavale, who I'm so excited for because I love him so much. He worked so well with Melissa McCarthy in Super Intelligence. This is written and directed by Ben Falcone, Melissa McCarthy's writer-director husband. And I, I can't wait. And like I always say, like I'm going to say when we talk about this on the show, like I will say every f***ing time it comes up, you already know if you're going to watch this or not. Because Melissa McCarthy is one of those blah blah blah, one of those actors that you know if you're going to like it or not. But I'm down. I am so down with this. I cannot wait. And Lord knows we're going to talk about this show or this movie when it comes out on the show on April 9th. All right, my future friends, next up, we have a movie I can't find anything about on IMDb, but thankfully from animationworld.com or .net, I found out about it. I saw the trailer on the YouTubes, of course, and I couldn't find it anywhere on the IMDb's, but Google helped me out. And this article was... Uh, came out on February 24th, 2021, about Master, an animated martial arts film produced by Peter Ramsey, who did Into the Spider-Verse and Rise of the Guardians. Master follows the story of Olivia, a once-promising martial arts champion who is on a journey to guide her family to what she believes is a better life. Along the way, Olivia discovers that life that the life she is leaving behind is the one that she should be fighting for. Uh, produced by Steamroller Studios, and I... The little trailer they showed, I'm excited. Into the Spider-Verse was amazing. One of the best animated films ever made. The best Spider-Man film ever made. And I love all of the Spider-Man films. Even Spider-Man 3, which was, yes, uh, the worst one. A terrible film, but it was still fun. Even with emo Peter Parker. Even with everything wrong with it. It was still enjoyable to me. Into the Spider-Verse was the best quality Spider-Man film. So we have another film by the same director. I can't wait. No release date yet, but check out the trailer. It looks fun. Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the movies coming out on streaming this week. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, my friends, we are back with the movies, and we're going to start with an interesting title called Dark Web Cicada 3301. <laughs> so dumb. This follows hacker Connor, his best friend Avi, and a cunning librarian who 
find themselves over their heads when forced to compete in a sophisticated Dark Web's Secret Society's global recruitment game. This stars Jack Kessie from 12 Strong, comedian Ron Funches, Jess Salguero, and I swear that only took me one take and not three, from Letterkenny, Connor Leslie from Titans, Chris Holden Reed from Vikings, and Alan Richson from Titans. So this... This is one of those hacker movies, and I, I'm i not a big fan because I think they're ridiculous. I mean, we've all seen that meme, right? Where it says what movies think hackers look like versus what hackers really look like. And the first picture is some super cool guy bent over a computer with all, with uh, his fingers flying all crazy. And, and then the second picture is just some dude with stains on his shirt sitting in front of a computer. Look, do secret societies like this really exist? I don't know. They're secret. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's uh, if if I suddenly become good at hacking and I catch the attention of some some super elite group, if they're going to start showing up outside my house in masks and stuff, trying to recruit me in some most dangerous game type shit. I, I don't know. Uh, this movie looks interesting only because there were a couple scenes that actually made me laugh. Uh, there were there's some actually funny comedy bits in it, and not just the Ron Funches lines, lines from other people too, which I thought were well done. But it, no, 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 just skip it. Next up, we have a movie called Trust, uh, Dark Web Cicada 3301, god damn it, I hate that name, uh, is coming to VOD, not any, of the, not any of the major streaming services yet. Trust coming out on VOD as well. In this sexy and twisty ride, New York gallery owner Brooke and her husband Owen each face exceptional temptations with the most unexpected results. This stars Catherine McNamara from Shadowhunters, Victoria Justice from Victoria, Matthew Daddario from Shadowhunters, Lucien Laviscount from The Bye Bye Man, Ronnie Chang from Crazy Rich Agents, and Rosa Gilmore from The Expanse. Uh, what, is the unexpected results that they're going to find people they love more and leave each other for them, or it's going to be some weird four-way love affair? I don't know and don't care. Next up, coming out on Netflix... Not Netflix, sorry. Next up, coming out on VOD, Come True. A teenage runaway takes part in a sleep study that becomes a nightmarish descent into the depths of her mind and a frightening examination of the power of dreams. This stars Julia Sarah Stone from The Killing and Landon Libo Liborian, I think, from Truth or Dare. And it's a it's a basic thriller. It's a thriller with a sci-fi horror ish twist they do say horror uh, on the trailer if you look up the trailer on the youtubes it says sci-fi horror and i think that's not a very good description when i think sci-fi horror i think of movies like event horizon i don't think of this this just seems like a a dark thriller made by someone who has a big heart on for christopher nolan that's what i get from this all right, my friends, two more films left. That's right. The next film, this time it's a Netflix movie called Yes Day. Allison and Carlos decide to give their three kids a Yes Day, where for 24 hours the kids make the rules, and that's not a bad idea at all. This stars Jennifer Garner from Alias, Edgar Ramirez from Gold, Jenna Ortega from The Babysitter, Killer Queen, Fortune Fimster, I think, from Office Christmas Party, and June Danielle Raphael from Grace and Frankie. This is a kids movie based on a book series for kids. And I think it's pretty obvious that we're not supposed to take it seriously. 
Because if I was, I would point out what a terrible idea this is and how the elder daughter in this trailer is just being a straight up brat and needs to shut the f*** up. But going into this, realizing that it's a kid's movie, it looks, I mean, it looks okay. Uh, This isn't one of those ones that I would also recommend for adults. This is one of those that I would, oh God, I would say, hey, if you have young kids, if you have, uh, if you have a family, you want to have a family movie day, it's not bad. Very obvious jokes, uh, very kid forward, which is exactly what you want for a kid's movie, but it doesn't also have that goodness for adults too, where it is a quality movie too. I'm a Jennifer Garner fan. I think she made this because, you know what, it's a family movie. She's a very family-oriented person. Good on her for doing that. But as for us, unless you have a small child, and may- maybe even early, early teens, I would say, unless you have someone from like 13 or earlier, I wouldn't recommend this for you. But my future friends, if you want the exact opposite of yesterday, if you want a movie that you should never let your kids watch, until they're full-blown adults, and that doesn't seem like it's going to make you smile in the least, our next film and final film of the week is Cherry, coming out on Apple TV+. Plus. Because God bless them, they're still trying. But that movie is called Cherry. An army medic suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder becomes a serial bank robber after an addiction to drugs puts him in debt. See? Happy! This stars Tom Holland from Spider-Man Home on the Range. Ciara Bravo from Big Time Rush, Jack Rayner from Sing Street, Michael Rispoli from The Drum Diaries, Jeff Wahlberg from Dora and the Lost City of Gold, and Michael Gandolfini from The Deuce. I'll watch this one day, uh, but instead of ever getting Apple TV+, Plus, I would much rather just buy it and risk it. Or if I know someone who has Apple TV+, Plus, which I don't, it's weird because I looked it up and they have about 40 million users. Uh, I'm... I'm not sure if that's in just America or worldwide, uh, but they have about 40 million people. I don't know a single f***ing person that has it. But enough about Apple being a cult. Let's talk about this movie. Oh, you know what? Really quick. Let's let's go back to something about the cher- cherry. Uh, go back to something about the yesterday trailer. I noticed and I had to play this certain part of the trailer a couple times. I thought the song playing. I thought the song playing was Good Time by Carly Rae Jepsen and Owl City. And it kind of was, but it's one of those goddamn uh, kids bop versions where they have a song, like a real song, and they and they go, I know, you know what this song needs? You know what this popular song needs? Uh, cringy kids singing it. So, uh, fun fact, I just looked this up. Uh, kids bop has been around since 2001. Uh, I was in high school at that time, or just graduating high school. And that makes me think that some of you especially if you're younger than me, you have always been around maybe when Kids Bop was a thing or these these CDs were a thing. Did you ever buy them? Do you, I don't care if you still have them, whatever, but did you ever have them? Did you ever see a trailer or a com- trailer, a commercial for them on TV and go, yeah, you know what? I want that. You know what? I don't want to hear Britney Spears singing Hit Me Baby one more time. I, I want to hear a bunch of kids singing that. And the fact that they choose some songs that they should never, ever do, like Love on the Brain by Rihanna, that has that line, it beats me black and blue, it f***s me so good, but they just change the words, like, oh, that's okay. It's a perfectly enjoyable song if you just take the bad words out. (laughs) Thank God, it's so bad. I'm not saying kids can't sing. 
these kids are probably perfectly good singers. I just think I just think it's a stupid idea, and I'm sorry for anyone who's ever bought one. Back to Cherry. So Cherry is directed by the Russo brothers. Yay! We like the Russo brothers. We like Tom Holland. So this is going to be a fun superhero movie, right? No, it's not. It's going to be dark as f***. It's going to be sad because because it's going to touch on things we don't want to talk about. It's going to touch on the opioid epidemic. It's going to touch on the fact that we have these soldiers. We, we send them to war. We send them out to risk their goddamn lives. And then once they're back, it's basically f- you. So we're going to have to watch Peter f-ing Parker deal with drug addiction and PTSD. And what's going to hit super hard is that he is a good actor. Tom Holland is good. So watching this lovable nerd be a f-ing adult. And I know it sounds like a, a dick thing when I say it like that, but we mainly know him as, as I was going to say Harry Potter. We mainly know him as Peter Parker. This movie is going to be heavier than my cat when he, he doesn't want to leave the bed. I'm just like, no, you got to go. And he's like, nope, not moving. F- you. So I want to see this. I'm not going to pay for Apple TV Plus, so either it's going to have to come to another streaming service, like Apple will hold on to it for a while, and then they'll go, okay, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, you can get it. Or I just buy it. I just buy it and I risk it. And I just say, you know what? It's worth the risk. And the good thing with me, someone like me who likes a lot of movies, I do enjoy quite a few movies. It works well for me because I'm probably going to like it. And since I love to read so much, this is based on a semi-autobiographical book called, are you ready? Called Cherry. Just reading one of the reviews for the book says this is the first great novel of the opioid epidemic. God damn, what are we in for? I mean, not philosophically, like as a country, like what are we in for? What are we in for with this? All right, my future friends, that's all I noticed I was coming out this week to streaming. Of course, there are movies that are coming out just in theaters. I'm, and uh, like I said before, I'm not going to talk about those. Because even though theaters are starting to open up, it's not a smart move. Like, don't risk it. Just get the vaccine and continue sheltering until you have to go out for something. Just be safe and smart. My future friends, that is it for this part of the show. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the movies. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, the fuck did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that, a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, we are back with the first movie that we watched for this week, which is an Amazon original called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. This is about two teens who live the same day repeatedly, enabling them to create the titular map. And just a reminder, 
that these aren't spoiler-free reviews. Uh, just uh, throwing that out there in case you wanted to watch these and you haven't yet. Uh, but the map of Tiny Perfect Things stars Catherine Newton from Pokemon, Detective Pikachu, Kyle Allen from The Path, Jermaine Harris from Ballers, Cleo Frazier from Transparent, and Josh Hamilton from 13 Reasons Why. And yes, a time loop movie. These are always popular, and we talked about one on the show last week when I was talking about the movies coming out on streaming. This is a popular idea, and like I say, especially about people, powers, and superhero movies, if you can take an idea that's been done before, like repeating the same day over and over again has been done over and over again, but if you can somehow make it your own, it's it's magic. It's really good. That's what Palm Springs did super well. That's what Edge of Tomorrow did really well. And this one did a good job, too. Out of the time loop movies that I can think of off the top of my head, including Groundhog Day, uh, this is at the end, end of the list, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Look at the other movies. Before I Fall, Source Code, Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You. All these films take the same basic idea and just run with it, but in different directions. And The Map of Tiny Perfect Things is a romantic comedy. It's a YA romantic comedy, if you will. And in true premise fashion, the premise for this film isn't exactly right. Because we have Mark, this young man who's supposed to be going to, to summer school. And when the movie starts, he's already been in this time loop for a while. So much so that he knows everything very well. But what we learn right away is that he spent the time trying to see if he can basically get with this cute girl he runs into. And each time he just strikes out. And it also sets the stage for stuff that we're going to that, that we're going to need to know for later. We know that his dad lost his job or uh, quit his job. Okay, he really lost his job, but the son thinks he quit his job to write a book. But that's not really what happened. We know that the sister is in some sort of sport, soccer, or I think it's soccer, yeah. And she has a game, which he always misses. And we know that part of him trying to get with this girl takes place at the pool where she gets hit in the face with the ball and falls into the pool. So he saves her and that's part of the way they start talking. But one day he's thinking too much and misses saving her. And guess who steps in? Someone steps in and changes what should have happened. And that's Margaret played by Catherine Newton. So then he starts searching for this woman who seems to be in the same predicament he is. Because the day didn't act like it was supposed to. She just came in. So they finally meet and they get to know each other. But all we know about her is that every day she has to leave at six. Someone calls, she seems distressed, and she has to leave. Which makes Mark wonder, hmm, what's going on? Is there, an, is there another person stuck in this day with them? Is, is something bad going on that she needs help with? What's, what's going on? So we learn later on that her mother's dying, and this may or may not have been caused by her wishing that she just had one more day with her mom. So her mom seemed to be good that day, so that's a day that keeps going around. But they are stuck, and so it's Mark's job now, even if he doesn't realize it right away, is to get out of this day by convincing her to come with him. And they go around as part of their fun before he finds out about her mother, they go around looking for all the tiny, perfect things. Like there's this guy sitting on a bench and this 
delivery van that's called Angel Delivery Services on the road goes past him at the perfect time. And it looks like he has angel wings. And and they see this janitor who sits down at a piano. And guess what? He's really good at the piano. They find all these little things. So the map comes into play when he when Mark starts mapping out all the things. And what blows my mind is that he wakes up every morning and has to do it again, because obviously the day resets. So if he draws something, it's not going to stay with them. If he draws something on, on himself, it's not going to stay with him because he's an artist. So different parts of this story are predictable. The time loop, predictable. We know that it's going to have to go with this kind of Groundhog Day kind of thing where they do have the perfect day. We know that Catherine Newton has to come to terms with the, with the eventual death of her mother. We need to have Mark realize that, oh, he does need to take this summer school class. He needs to pass and he needs to talk to his family about what he's passionate about, that he wants to pursue art. He needs to be a better son to his dad. He needs to be a, uh, a better big brother to his sister. Because in a lot of these time loop movies, that's something we always have to see as people learning their lesson. Basically, oh, I've lived this day over and over again, but I didn't do what I should. Now I do. But this movie has a little bit, just a little hint of Palm Springs in it, in the sense that there's this very scientific reason or way they get out of it. Because for some weird reason, Catherine Newton's character is obsessed with 4D cubes, finding that fourth dimension you know, because it's just out there existing. And she realizes that if you draw the map in some weird 3D way, it makes the 4D cube shape. And she realizes, oh, there's one perfect thing missing. What could that perfect thing be? Does it have anything to do with this boy who I met who kind of likes me and I kind of like him? And when he said something, I ran away because I am distraught about my mother and my mother realizes this that i'm distraught about a boy and wants me to get with this boy because it makes me he makes me happy maybe that has something to do with it who knows maybe they oh maybe they are the key maybe they are what will make this day end finally and even though certain parts of this were predictable the way it was put together was cute this was good i liked this film i had a good time watching it maybe i'll rewatch it one day I know I'll rewatch Palm Springs, Edge of Tomorrow, and Groundhog Day before I'll rewatch this, but it was still good. It's a cute palate cleanser movie. Exactly what you need after something super heavy. And I just wish we saw more of Mark's friend, Henry. If you watch a trailer, he's, uh, he's his friend who's playing video games the whole time. And I thought he would have made a really good side character had he been more had there been more of him had he had more of a character besides we know that he's bros with mark and he can't beat this certain level and fun special note for something that pisses me off personally you all know because i've bitched about this before that i hate it in movies where people are playing video games but it looks like they're like they're getting all into it and they're like they're twisting their body and everything is like people who actually play video games don't play like that oh you know what okay so I think I mentioned this, that Anne and I rewatched the, the two Charlie's Angels movies, and I really liked them. But the moment I saw this, there's this one part in the first movie where Drew Barrymore is falling. She falls down a hill naked and she lands in this backyard of these 
two kids who are playing a video game. They they both have controllers in their hands. They're both playing, but they're playing Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy VIII was a one-player game. And this movie was really before the days where they would just green screen it and then throw in some other video game. They were actually playing this game. Why is it? Why was it so hard for them, for the people behind that film, to look at the back of the game and go, oh, one player, let's find something else? Could they not find a copy of Tony Hawk? Could they not find a copy of anything else? Street Fighter? No? Tekken? Come on. Anyway, back to this movie. What I liked is that Jermaine Harris's character, Henry, was a very believable teenager playing a video game. True, the game that he was actually playing is, I don't think it's a real game. I think they just made up some game and made it look corny as hell, but he wasn't bad. Look, this is a cute film. Just watch a trailer. You'll know if you'll like it already. This is what the trailer set me up for is exactly what I got. And I knew going into it, I would probably like it. And I did. This isn't challenging, but it's fun. It isn't overly emotional, but there are a couple of uh, scenes that'll hit you in the feels. It was funny. It kept my attention. And it's worth a watch, if not even a rewatch. The Map of Tiny Perfect Things gets an 8 out of 11. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're we're doing doing fine. Alright, my future friends, it is time for the final movie of the week, which is a film on Netflix called Moxie. Fed up with the sexist and toxic status quo at her high school, a shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-age revelation. A revolution. I guess it's a revelation, too. You know, it works. This stars Hadley Robinson from Utopia. Alicia Pascual Peña from Saved by the Bell, the new Saved by the Bell, Nico Hiraga from Booksmart, Lauren Tsai from Legion, Amy Poehler from Parks and Rec, Patrick Schwarzenegger from Midnight Sun, Sydney Park from The Walking Dead, Angelica Washington from Stargirl, uh, the DC Stargirl, not the Disney Stargirl, Ike Barinholtz from The Mindy Project, Marsha Gay Harden from Mystic River, and Clark Gregg from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Every once in a while, you find a movie that just hits everything right. You find a movie that you watch a trailer and you're down. You just like it. The the trailer resonates with you and you can't wait to watch the film. And then you watch the film and it's either as good or better than the trailer made it seem. And you just vibe with the movie. And that's exactly what happened here. This is based off a book by a woman named Jennifer Matthew and was adapted to the screen and directed by Amy Poehler herself, who also stars as the mother. Yeah, get that. Amy Poehler is a believable mother. I don't know if if she's a mother in real life, but it's just weird that someone I used to watch on Saturday Night Live when she was younger is now a believable mom of a almost 18 year old. 
So Amy Poehler plays Lisa, this woman that in her youth was a rebellious girl, fought for women's rights. And she has this kind of, well, not kind of, a very introverted daughter who just kind of goes along with everything. Because it's the first day of back at school, and her friend is talking about the list, this list that's put out that put out by the the football team, and it ranks or it gives all the girls um titles, basically, like uh best breasts, most bangable, and all these things that you know you just can't do anymore. You just can't say, hey, this girl's bangable and put it on a list and share it with the whole school. Weird that we can't do that. And she just tries to put her head down and goes along with it. But the more she sees, the more she actually starts looking around and seeing the injustices, not not in the world per se, but okay, yeah, in the world, but in her school. And she starts to get frustrated. She's like, hey, we're just sitting around taking this. We see that the ass quarterback Mitchell... This just piece of shit. Just this preppy asshole who's used to getting what he wants, uh, doesn't take no for an answer, and not in the way you want. Not like, oh, you know, this guy is great at work, doesn't take no for an answer. No, and the kind of really bad doesn't take no for an answer. And Vivian starts to notice all the shit that goes on when this new girl comes to school, Lucy, who's not from around there. And she basically becomes the attention of this bully's attacks well let's face it she probably would have been anyway because she's a new girl and she's black but also because she speaks out in class when they're talking about uh great gatsby they're talking about great gatsby and she brings up the fact that hey why are we even still reading this and while i personally believe that it is a very important part of our literature history i also see the point that there are more important books we could be teaching than that same old sh** that they're learning about now, that I learned about, that that my parents learned about. So one day, Vivian witnesses a altercation between Mitchell and Lucy. And she talks to Lucy and she says, hey, if you just keep your head down, uh, he'll he'll move on. He'll find someone else to pick on. And Lucy basically says, why is it my job? To keep my head down so he won't come after me. Basically saying, I'm the victim. Why should I stop being me just so this entitled asshole stops picking on me? And that really makes Vivian start thinking. And so she prints this magazine. There's this zine called Moxie. And the revolution starts. I think Moxie is one of the best movies for feminism that I've seen in a long time. And no, I haven't seen all of them. But the reason I say that is because this is a perfect example of speaking up, of people coming together. Because we see when Moxie starts in the magazine, she says, hey, the next day, or she writes, and it's anonymous, by the way, no one knows it's her. But in the magazine, she writes, the next day, come to school with hearts and stars uh, drawn on your hand to show your support. And at first, no one does it, but then as the day goes on, more and more people are doing it, and she even sees some guys doing it, too. Which I really like, because it it shows that to be a feminist doesn't mean you have to be a misandrist. Men are the problem, but not all men are the problem. Because we have this guy named... Where is that guy? Seth. This guy named Seth, who's f***ing wonderful. 
He's nice, he's funny, he's adorable, and he's on board from the beginning. What Moxie also does well is shows how inclusive it all is, how there are women of color in this group. It's not just this white woman feminism, it's feminism for everyone. And even though they never come out and say it, one of the girls that's a member of Moxie is a transgendered woman, played by Josie Tota. And I loved that they did that so much. It was such a good choice because it really separates or it really shows that TERFs like J.K. Rowling are on the outside. That the feminist movement should have no place for shitty people like that. So the girls in Moxie didn't even bat an eye when Josie joins them. Uh, Not Josie, her character's name was CJ. When CJ joins them and when she's talking about what's hard for her, that apparently when she wanted to try out for the role of, oh, the main female role in West Side Story. What's that character's name again? God, I think it was West Side Story. But anyway, she wants to try for the main female role in this play. And everyone was like, oh, really? You? Yeah, I'm f***ing her. Why the f*** not? And there's something else Moxie did really well that really did impress me. And it's when things start going south for the group. And Vivian starts to get really angry. So angry that she starts lashing out at everyone. She starts lashing out at Seth, who has been nothing but an ally the whole time. Lashing out at him because he's a man and because he knows Mitchell, the uh, the asshole. Lashing out at John, played by Clark Gregg, who is kind of into her mom and is going out with her. And he has done nothing wrong either. And she starts lashing out at him because he's a man. So what was very impressive that this movie did is show that just because a man's a man doesn't mean they're the enemy and that you shouldn't treat your allies like that. The Moxie meetings were always just women for women, and that's great. But they had allies outside of the group. So then when we see Vivian start lashing out at everyone, the group's like, uh, maybe, maybe calm the f*** down. And it's also a good lesson, like the fact that she gets all, she gets very angry is because I think that people do need to learn that just because you're on the right side of history, just because you're on the right side, doesn't mean things are going to go your way. And it's a shitty lesson. And learning that lesson totally burst her bubble. So this movie does so much right. And when it ended, I only had a couple issues with it. I had an issue that one of the main girls admitted that she was the one who tripped this other guy and caused him to break his arm and that she was kind of proud of it and everyone laughed. But that guy wasn't one. He wasn't Mitchell. He wasn't one of the asshole guys. He was just kind of an idiot. So she she caused this guy to actually hurt himself to break a limb and she's proud of it and they're all laughing about it. And since the whole movie did everything else right, I think that was just an oversight or... Maybe a scene was cut where he was an asshole, but even if he was an asshole, that's not how you deal with it. And then during the movie, when they're having these moxie meetings, you see this other girl from the school kind of hanging around, like like lurking outside or walking by and go, oh, I'm not trying to join. I'm just, I'm just walking by. I forgot my this and grab something and leaves. And then one day, Vivian gets a letter from an anonymous person that says she was raped by Mitchell. And that she never came forward. She just kind of dealt with it and kept quiet. But seeing these moxie girls start taking a stand for themselves makes her want to do something, but she's still scared. And 
And I'm really glad they added that part just to show that it's okay to be scared. It's okay. Even though you see this group of girls who would probably be 100% accepting and understanding and loving, it's still okay to be scared. You and I would know from watching the movie that had she come out right away in the when once they had their first meeting and talked about it, she would have been accepted. Something would have gotten done about it. But within the confines of the movie, she didn't know. And she was she was scared because she's hidden this for so long. And in the end of the movie, when she when this woman speaks out in front of the school, when she admits it was her, it's the bravest thing in the whole movie. Because we have Vivian who finally reveals that she's the one behind Moxie. She takes a bunch of paint and she paints the word rape port because it's like, oh, what's the name of the school? Something port. And then she like paints red letters all like uh, in front of the school. It says rape port. And then they do this big walkout in protest. And then she stands up and gives a speech. Then this other girl stands up and it's the bravest thing in the whole goddamn movie. And I was impressed because even if she didn't, step up in front of everyone and talk, even if she just like went to one person, said something, or even her letter was still brave. So Moxie, even though I had like one or two small, small problems with it, for the most part, hit every note right. It shows that women coming together gets done. It shows that both women and men can be part of the solution. It shows that Sometimes people will get angry and lash out at the wrong people, but don't attack your allies. And that bravery takes so many different forms. Moxie's label is a comedy, and I definitely laughed a few times. It, it is a, I don't want to call it lighthearted. It kind of is lighthearted. It's as lighthearted as a movie about women fighting back against sexual harassment and the patriarchy and everything. Women fighting against that. It's as lighthearted as that could be. I did laugh quite a few times or quite a few funny moments in it, but this is a drama. This is a drama through and through. It's the definition of a dramedy, and it has such an important and powerful message. And what's great about this film, yeah, I'm going to add something else to the list. What's great about this film is that it's great as a movie, like as a piece of art, it's great. And it's also great as a a vessel for a message, for a message that we need to hear. This is rated PG-13, so show this to your kid. Maybe wait till they're a teenager, or if you think your kid is pretty mature, show it to them when you're younger, but show this to your kid. Help build them, help raise them into the type of people we need. Show them this movie to show them Vivian, to show that you can be a, a activist and an ally and you may not be perfect, but it's okay. Show this to a young man to show them the difference between Seth and Mitchell, between an ally and the enemy. Show this to your little girl to show them that girls are kick ass. And watch this yourself as a sad reminder that even though it's f***ing 2021, we still have to talk about shit like this. Oh, and I even, oh, there's one more thing I forgot to talk about. When Vivian was kind of going in her mild downward spiral after things started going bad for the group, and especially bad for her, her best friend, who's an, uh, a an young Asian woman, takes the hit for her when the school comes trying to find out who's behind Moxie. She takes the hit and gets suspended 
And when Vivian comes and basically says, well, why aren't you going to come with me to this thing? Why aren't you doing more? Her friend says, you don't get it because you're white. So you don't get what it's like for me and my family. Just like Vivian also doesn't get what it's like for Lucy and Kira and Amaya, the three black women who are part of the group. And it's a great lesson to show that people's struggles are different. They are all women, but Claudia has added pressure because of her strict Asian parents. We have Lucy, Kira, and Amaya having the added pressure from being women of color. And that's, if you remember, I've, I've talked about this like two or three times now. That's a lesson I had to learn. That even though I have experienced racism, I do not know what it's like for others. And another quick note about Claudia's character. She is super, super introverted. She doesn't like doing things. She likes hanging out with her friend at home. She likes doing indoor things. She doesn't like going to these meetings. She doesn't like going to parties. And for the longest time in the movie, Vivian was judging her for that, going, hey, why don't you, why aren't you angry like me? Why aren't you part of this? Why aren't you marching? Well, they don't, they don't march, but you know, why aren't you doing more? And Claudia, at one point, when she does help the group, she does it in her own way. And she says, let me help, but let me help in my own way. And that too hit another nail on the head, that there are other ways to help. And that you shouldn't judge or shame someone if their way of helping doesn't line up with your way of helping. Don't attack your allies. God, can you tell I love this movie? I was really, really impressed with it. I was just expecting it to be okay. I was just expecting to watch a fun movie with a good lesson and to turn it off and go, okay, that was good. Now time to move on and kind of forget about it. But I'm kind of high on this movie. I, uh, they... They did it so well that I'm impressed that even the couple of issues I had with it, even those things didn't hurt the score. And that was me just being nitpicky. I think everyone should watch this movie. Not only was it a good quality film, but it had a great lesson. And it did it in the best possible way. Moxie gets a 10 out of 11. Yeah, that's right. Only a 10 out of 11. Uh, I, I would have liked it to be a little longer because I would have liked to get a little more from the principal played by uh, Marsha Gay Harden. I would have liked to see her side more on why she didn't do more to help the girls in the school. I want to know why she did so much just to toe the line and keep her head down and ignore the sexual harassment, ignore all this stuff. And I would have liked to seen more of Mitchell's punishment instead of him just being called to the office. So a really, really good film, but not an 11, which means it blew my mind. All right, my future friends, let us jump right into the question of the week, and then I will tell you what movies we're watching for next week. So the question of the week was, in honor of Women's History Month, what's your favorite movie with a strong female cast and or movie that has a commentary on a female issue? The first answer comes from This Very House, and who says the 2018 Halloween movie. Three generations of women dealing with one male psychopath. Can you get more female power? And I do agree. I think it was really well done. Especially with the fact that they didn't need the help of any man. And in fact, every man in the movie was either an antagonist, died like a chump, or just got in the way. And as for my answer, I'm going to stray away from my normal answer of Little Women 
and say Ocean's 8 just because it's a it's another Ocean's movie. So it's a crime uh, crime comedy and it's so well done with a great cast. And never once do they say, oh, look at us. We're all women getting this done. No, they just do it. They f***ing do it. And they do a really good job in it. They have a a really good cast with Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, Mindy Kaling, Rihanna, Aquafina, Sarah Paulson. That's a good cast. So it's kind of the movie version of anything you can do, I can do better. And even though I'll always be a fan of the Ocean series, the, the first three Ocean movies, this one just hit different. And it's time for the question for next week. So in honor of one of the movies we're watching for next week, or both of the movies, actually, wow, that we're watching for next week, the question of the week is, what's your favorite performance of an actor playing a real person? And I was going to say biopic, but it doesn't have to be a biopic per se. It could just be any actor, and actor includes actor or actress, playing someone who really lived. But you know what? Maybe to make it less confusing, I will just say, what's your favorite role by an actor in a biopic? And please make that role a biographical performance. So let us talk about the movies for next week. We have two as usual. And keeping on with the with the theme of Women's Month, we're going to have the first movie be Bombshell on Amazon Prime. Bombshell from 2019 based on the group of Fox News women taking on Roger Ailes. And the second movie is the brand new United States versus Billie Holiday on Hulu. This follows Billie Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal aimant Jimmy Fletcher with whom she had a tumultuous affair. And this is directed by Lee Daniels. All my future friends, that's it for this episode. So let me end with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Billiam SWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.